Hello, everyone, and welcome to I'm Not Your Shrink, a podcast about changing the dialogue in your life. I am Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical health psychologist and couples therapist. Each week, we talk about everyday issues that people face with the intention of helping you to feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live your life. Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode. I am so excited to share with you today my conversation with Erica. Now, Erica is a mom of two. She's also in the corporate world, but she is also the creator of a really great website and blog, and that is the Mom Break. When I met Erica, I knew that I wanted to share her story with other people. And you know that as a psychologist, I could never ask any of my own clients to appear on my show. One of the pieces that Erica does is she shares what I learned in therapy each week with her own therapist. And so I was so excited to chat with her and to dive into talking about the identity changes we experience becoming mothers and the guilt that we experience as well as how we start to cope with that and doing that can be through therapy. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right in and I hope you enjoy our conversation. So I am sitting here with Erica from Mumbrae. Hello. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. So maybe we can get started by just you telling us a little bit about you and who you are. Awesome. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Um, so I'm Erica. I have two young kiddos. I have a three and a half year old and a nine month old little boy. Uh, and somewhere along my adventure of parenting, I decided to start a mummy blog called Mum Break, uh, which I use primarily as my creative outlet to get through the day. To get through the day <laughs> with two little ones. It's hard. Yeah. And, and you know what? Just really to focus on sharing all the components of mother not just um, the sort of Pinterest perfect moments that we see online, Mm. uh, because I found that in the first year of parenting, that was one of the biggest struggles I had was I felt like I was comparing myself to all those perfect moms out there, or at least they wanted me to think that they were perfect. And it didn't create an accurate representation of parenting. Mm -hmm. Right. So thinking of, you know, all the images on Instagram of how the day looks and taking this posed photo and having meals prepared. They all have their lives so together and so purposeful Mm. and everything um, is done so intentionally, but I don't think that's actually a full view of what parenting is really like. Uh, They didn't show the struggles and the challenges and there's nothing wrong with that, but it led me as a first-time mom being really, really confused about uh, what I was doing Mm -hmm. and thinking that I was doing it wrong, quite Um, honestly. Yeah, right. So thinking of that time then, what were some of the struggles that you're having when you became a mom? (sighs) So I I was actually thinking about this uh, in preparation for this, this chat with you is that I was, uh, I have very few uh, people with kids in my life when I first had my daughter uh, and I'd been exposed to very few children and the ones that I had didn't necessarily share some of the challenges. I saw their really cute little babies and all their matching outfits (laughs) and then I became a mom and I struggled with not only, you know, that comparison with other parents, but also figuring out who I was as a person uh, now because I was, I knew who I was before having kids and then once mm. I became a mom, everything changed. 
Right. Your whole world begins to change and it's just hard to know like what, what does life look like now? You're not who you were before. Exactly. I, I really had that sense of identity was completely lost. And I think when I first became a mom versus uh, having my second child, that was the biggest struggle. I didn't struggle with that so much with the second child. Mm-hmm. But with the first, it was, well, who am I now? Am I a mother? Am I a wife? Uh, am I uh, a working mom? Am I, you know, I'm in the corporate world. What happens with my job and the career that I had worked so hard for? It was really confusing who I was as a whole. Hmm. What was the difference between having the first and the second? I think that I had already changed so much in my life with the second. I had already accepted that, you know, 6 a.m. was my new wake-up time. <laughs> and that was never going to change, or at least not for the next decade. Yeah. I had already accepted that uh, having, you know, puke on me or, you know, poop on my mm-hmm. hands. Le- leftover or food on le- your shirt. Exactly. <laughs> it was just a norm and that was okay. And I had sort of started to figure out who I was in that as well as a whole. So the second, the struggles became things like anxiety and overwhelm and just adapting to the volume of work with two children versus one. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of work to have to take on with two of them, managing the household, managing career. Just very different. It's, it's the overwhelm is what got me with the second one. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about how Mom Break started, what motivated you to do it. So really, my background's actually in marketing. So in my um, corporate life, I work for a high-tech company. And I've always loved my career. And I've been very career-driven. And I've worked tons of long long hours. And uh, it's been a huge focus and big component of my life. And when I had kids, or when I had my first daughter, uh, I, I really... I was sitting at home with this new baby, feeling confused about what to do next. Mm. Um, am I working? My brain was turning into mush. I was turning into, I, I felt like all that I had worked for, for the past, you know, 10, 15 years, I'm now just sitting at home on a couch with puke on me watching Netflix all day. And that was confusing. So mom break started from a sense of wanting to basically use my brain again. <laughs> <laughs> right I, though, because a big part of who you are is, is work. Absolutely. And it's what I know, knew. Right. You thrive on that. That's, you know, I think that's even what we're talking about beforehand before we started is how important work is for you. Absolutely. It's a part of who I am. And I think that just because I had kids, it doesn't mean that needs to change. It just needs to figure out how I can fit it all together into, um, the new view of myself. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Hmm. You know, I'm thinking about the time when we get pregnant and whatever our fertility journeys are, but oftentimes, again, it's a lot of um, beauty and beautiful belly photos and look how beautiful this is. And it really is. Um, It's a miracle to be able to have a child, but nobody prepares you for the identity change. Absolutely. And it's, it's so funny because... I know that with my first, that's what I struggled with the most, but I recently actually pulled people over on Instagram for mum break. And I was surprised to see that when I asked people what their biggest challenge was in motherhood, and I left it very, it was intentionally vague, the question, 
one of the biggest well one of the biggest challenges was mom guilt which is no yes. surprise I was not shocked by that at all yeah that's that's definitely not shocking no not at all it was it was an overwhelming landslide but the second was a lack of identity and trying mm. to figure out who they were now that they've had children and that was surprising to me because I had struggled with it so much but I hadn't talked with anybody else about it who had struggled with it as well mm-hmm I want to come back to this piece because I think it's important, but I also think talking about the mom guilt is really important. Mm-hmm. So what what's that like for you? What's your experience of mom guilt? It's it's a it's a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Some days I feel like I have conquered mom guilt and I have come Ooh. so far and other days I feel guilty about, you know, if I have to go to the doctor to take care of myself and leave my kids at home with someone else, which is the most ridiculous thing in the entire world yeah um, when you if you think about back. it yeah exactly yeah. um if you get a little bit of perspective it's it's silly to think about you know i'm sick and i have to go to the doctor i feel guilty about it it's just anyways um it's hard to prioritize you absolutely and i think that's you know that ties into identity as well right it's when you think about priorities as a mom typically for me my experience has been it's been you know the kids number one my husband number two and something the house number three work number four and I don't even know if I make the list sometimes um so that mom guilt is this overshadowing emotion that touches on all components of the life that's it's been a real challenge and focal point of my experience in therapy as well is working through the mom guilt and trying to figure out how to tackle it so I can um function at a more effective level for my family Mm. Let's talk about that. So you're saying you're working on that through therapy. And one of the things that really stood out to me as a mom and also a psychologist, um, well, also to that, you know, having children also challenged my own identity and challenged that guilt that really is so strong that mothers feel. Um, But what I loved about Mom Break was that piece that you do each week about what you learn in therapy. Yes, that's a new piece that makes I it's so near and dear to my heart and I think it's so important mm-hmm. to talk about. Absolutely. And so many people don't don't talk about their experiences in therapy or what prompted them to go or what was happening around them in that space. And as a psychologist, I'm actually not able to ask any of my clients to come <laughs> and sit with me and do something like this. And yet there's so much that people could gain from hearing someone else's experience in therapy. Absolutely. And it's you know what? It's a piece that I struggle with for a couple different reasons. Um, One is that from a marketing perspective with my marketing background, it's not necessarily popular content. Mm. And I think that is for a couple reasons. Um, One is because people are still very apprehensive about engaging and chatting and putting their hand up and saying, I'm having a hard time with this too. So the pieces don't necessarily do as well. But then in the back end of things, I get messages daily from people saying, thank you for sharing this. Mm -hmm. I just started therapy. It's been wonderful. They ask for recommendations of therapists all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And and really that gratitude behind the scenes is what makes me realize it's such an important component of talking about. And really the goal going into it was to, and I know hashtag normalize therapy. Yes, yes, yes. But to the point where we can talk about therapy like we're talking about the weather or talking about the gym it's just a normal component of life because hey we all struggle and struggling doesn't mean weakness it means strength yes absolutely or admitting those struggles right that struggling is part of living and if you're not struggling then are you really living Mm -hmm. right 
Yeah. Exactly. So so walk us through, Erica. What was going on in your life? What was the challenge that you were facing or the difficulties you were having um, around the time before you went to therapy? Just walk us through that story, what it looked like for you. How old was your first? Yeah, so I have been to therapy my entire life, really, for various struggles. Um, but with my first, I was about um, two or three months postpartum. And at that point, like I was saying, my biggest struggle was lack of identity. I really, and because of that, had super depression on trying to figure out what to do with my life, where mm. is things going, how how is each of my day even looking? Like, mm-hmm. what is what is my day, mm-hmm. day entail now? Just the little tasks of the day were confusing because I was unsure of my new life. Um, what did it look like back then? Do you remember? Do you remember in those early postpartum days? Dark. Dark dark it was Mm -hmm. very dark and the hormones and the emotions uh and in hindsight I think a lot of it had to do with the hormones Mm -hmm. uh naturally Mm -hmm. but it was there was a lot of negative thoughts there were there was a lot of intrusive thoughts Mm -hmm. so thing I remember very specifically my daughter also had colic Mm -hmm. should I say that didn't help with the postpartum depression no that makes sense very challenging. Yeah, because you're already struggling. Then you have this crying newborn that you don't know what to do with, crying for you know five six hours a night. For hours on end. It doesn't stop, and nothing right. you can do will make it stop. So uh-huh. it, it's really you can't succeed. Is right. what the thoughts were having. I'm not doing something right. I must be doing something wrong. Why is this child crying? Mm. And I remember a moment. I think it was you know four o'clock in the morning. I had been up with her for hours and hours and I was walking by the railing on my top floor I was like what if I just threw her over Mm. and that's when I realized that's and then I instantly burst into tears thinking I was a horrible mother um and so it was dark it was those intrusive thoughts that I had no control over that just popped into my head and it was scary oh yeah that's so scary it 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 chokes me up yeah talking about it because it's you know, here's something, someone that you love so much. And, you know, I think what I also hear from you is control has been such a piece of who you are as a person. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we, all, we all love control. I certainly love control. And then here's this baby that you wanted. And, you know, you just, there's no control there. And it is so hard. In those so moments. hard. Yeah. And especially with the first, you don't know what to do. You don't know what the right answer is. Not that you ever figure it out as a mom. You're really kind of just winging it the entire time. But you have more confidence the the further down the journey you get. Yes, absolutely. Um, But it was, I think, with the first, before I started going to therapy, it was those, and what I learn now are called intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts. Um, Those were what were the scariest because I had no control over them and they just popped into my head and startled me they right. came out of nowhere and they just shook me to my core of right. thinking about the idea of harming this baby who I would die for mm-hmm. it was terrifying yeah and, and you know it's not it's not just the thought itself but it's then thinking about how could you have this thought and then getting even harder on yourself then the mom guilt comes into play and all of, <laughs> right and the shame yeah absolutely what does it mean about me if i'm having a thought like this how could i i must be the worst mother in the yeah. entire world nobody else thinks like this mm-hmm. it is just me mm-hmm. i am going to mom hell yeah right yeah but which i've learned yeah. now is is actually a very those are normal thoughts to have mm. but not many people are willing to admit to them no no I wonder if others know what you mean by intrusive thoughts. 
That's a good question. I don't know because to me, they are just really horrible, horrible thoughts yeah. and visuals right. and ideas that just pop into my head that I literally have no control over. Mm-hmm. So it would be things like uh, Aubrey would be crying in the car for 45 minutes straight. And I just think, well, what if I just turn the steering wheel quickly? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's even just now talking about it, it makes me so sad to think that I would even think that, but mm-hmm. it's nothing that I would ever want to do, but I can't control the thoughts. Right. I think that's really important to learn. And I don't think we learn it anywhere really is that, your thoughts really are just thoughts and right. they become your inner dialogue they become who you are right if you keep telling yourself i'm going to drive this car off the road that then you know you're going to veer off the road that's how powerful your thoughts are but thoughts are just thoughts and that that's really hard though when you're in a place of being isolated of struggling with who you are who am I as mom? Exhaustion. Why, why? Exhaustion. <laughs> and why isn't my baby happy? Yeah. It, it was really a combination of factors that led to my decision to go to therapy. Um, and I think exhaustion plays a huge role because with both children, as soon as I got the sleep under control, mm-hmm. everything sort of magically fell into place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started taking better care of myself. I started uh, just being a happier person. But those combination, the combination of sleep, hormones, you've just had a baby, you're not sure who you are, you're not sure what you're doing, mm. it's so overwhelming and it's so hard and people don't warn you about it. They say, You know what they say to you? They say, sleep now before the baby comes, <laughs> which is the I, most useless advice ever because you can't <laughs> bank sleep. It's not like if I sleep a month before the baby comes, I'm going to have a month stored up in reserve. It doesn't work like that. And, and not even that. I mean, most women at the end of their pregnancy can't sleep. You can't sleep. Right? If I roll over, I have to get my husband to push me. And I'm like getting up five times a night to pee. It's right. just, it's not useful. But yeah. it's all you hear, especially the first baby sleep now. No, it needs to be things like, you know, watch out for your mental health. Call me if you need anything. Hey, by the way, you should probably go to pelvic floor physiotherapy. <laughs> yes. Also useful, practical tips. Yes. That, are yeah. real, which is why I felt mum break was so important to start because I could share these things uh, with other mothers who may not have heard them before. Of course, absolutely. Um, when you decided, can you remember that moment when you decided to go for therapy? Yes, it's clear as day in my mind. I was sitting on the laundry room floor, which is the furthest spot away from anybody in my house on the main floor fetal on the floor, mm. sobbing hysterically. And at that point, the baby had been crying for hours. Um, at that point, I texted my husband and said, I need you to get me into therapy. I don't care who. I don't care when. Just mm. do it as soon as possible. I am not capable of setting up any of the details. Mm-hmm. Just tell me where to be and when and get me there and I will go. Mm. I need help. You knew you needed someone outside of the three of you to help you. Absolutely. And I I had, for weeks probably prior, you know, done a quick Google search of who to go to. Mm -hmm. And then it stops there because it's so overwhelming. If you, you know, Google postpartum therapist, who do you go to? Who do you know is good? Who do you trust? It's it's an overwhelming decision for someone who's already suffering um, from overwhelm and depression and sleep deprivation and who hasn't eaten in a few days. Uh, So I eventually just got my husband to do it for me. And thankfully he is wonderful. 
um, and took care of everything. And a couple weeks later, there we went. Yeah. Okay. So then tell me about what unfolded after that. Did you talk to other people about going? <laughs> no. That's uh, where things have changed over the last few years. <laughs> Here we are sitting on a podcast. Yes. Uh, being Talking very about transparent therapy. about everything. Yeah. But at that moment, I was so deeply ashamed that I was struggling and I felt as though I should be able to do this without help and these are feelings that I shouldn't be having that I lied to my entire family with the exception of my mom mm. um, who I have a very close open relationship with but everybody else I was telling them I was going to different various doctor's appointments you know physio- I have had um, various like hip and knee problems so that was those covered me for a while <laughs> saw the, the you know, physiotherapist yeah. and chiropractor a lot those few months Right. Um, but I, I didn't tell anybody because I was so embarrassed at needing the help. So the, the kind of thought of, I should be able to do this on my own, look at everybody else. I mean, again, you have all this time at home, you're watching Netflix, you're on social media, and you see these beautiful pictures of moms and newborns, and everybody else has it together. It kind of feels like the, why don't I? Exactly. Am I the only one that needs help? Absolutely. Um, I must be, there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. I, I can't share this with people. Um, even close friends and family that I had talked to um, would make comments about someone who's struggled and how they shouldn't mm. have struggled or they can't imagine that uh, so-and-so would do that mm-hmm. or would be, have, I'm trying to be a little bit intentionally vague here. Yeah. Um, but the perception to struggling was still very real and still I mean that was only a few years ago I think it's changed a lot yeah but it was challenging to admit that I wasn't able to do it myself I think there is still this perception that somehow as moms we need to have it all together and that it's hard to talk with other people of saying hey I'm going for therapy I talk about it all the time with my clients that it's it's super hard like I have to go outside of this to get help and to work through this mm-hmm. and while I think there is definitely movement right like you said hashtag normalize therapy <laughs> and you know um, therapy is cool yeah hashtag therapy is cool <laughs> right super great movements on social media but it's just not quite enough and I, I do find that you're right it's going in that direction but at what point does it become just part of the conversation because mm. I think uh, Bell Let's Talk is wonderful and it's getting everyone to talk, but it, there's still such a stigma around it. Mm-hmm. Um, you still, you know, someone admits that they've suffered from depression and there's instantly judgment mm-hmm. in people's voice. Yeah. So it's, I, I'm hoping that by talking about it more candidly that people realize that I can still be an awesome mom, mm-hmm. a supportive wife. I can still do well in my career. Yeah. Um, but I'm not perfect and I will struggle and I will have thoughts about <laughs> driving a car off yes. the road. And that is, doesn't make me a bad person and it doesn't make me a bad mom. No, those are complete. And, and you would have learned this in therapy that these are completely normal thoughts that we all have them. It's what we do with them after, um, that I too can completely relate to the intrusive thoughts after giving birth or even before, um, that is just something that happens. What would happen with this knife, right? Absolutely. And it's not even, I think it's important because not everyone will have the intrusive thoughts necessarily about hurting their child, Mm -mm. but it was the intrusive thoughts about maybe something bad happening. Mm -hmm. Like you just mentioned with the knife. 
I will still to this day, if I have a knife on the counter, unintentionally visualize me accidentally knocking it off and it's stabbing my child in yes, the head. Of course. And I don't control it and it just comes out of nowhere and it's mm-hmm. scary and it's unsettling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so walk us through this piece of sharing with how did you decide to start saying hey here I am I'm going to therapy do you remember that conversation with the first person that's a really really good question because I don't know that for that decision there was a specific moment where things changed I think it was just a gradual process of continuously oversharing with the world (laughs) and I think was it a social media announcement the first time you did it or was it a friend I I'm sorry, I can't remember. That's okay. I, I yeah. That's a really good question. I feel like I should know the answer to this, um, but as we all know, your brain does change. Yeah. <laughs> <you have kids. laughs> yeah. There are still days where I can't find the peanut butter. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I do think that I was sitting in the car uh, after my first therapy session back, um, the second time around, mm-hmm. and I just. What do you mean the second time around? That's a good question. Um, The second time around, dealing with postpartum anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. So I sort of categorized my therapy experience as a mom in two different sessions, if you will. The first being after my daughter and the second uh, being after my son. And the reason Mm -hmm. why I kind of compartmentalized them into two ways is because each time I dealt with very different emotions and struggles. They Mm -hmm. weren't uh, the same experience at all. For either either mm-hmm. time or either child. Mm. Uh, so, I think that's important to differentiate too. That just because a certain set of symptoms happened the first time doesn't mean it's going to be the same the second time. And the challenges even of being a first time mom, second time mom, they're they're definitely there. Absolutely, and I think it it's it's worrisome too. It's good and it's bad because then you think, well, what if I had a third kid? What mm. would happen? I would suspect that there would be some element of postpartum depression that creeps up, Mm -hmm. but at least now I have the skill set of dealing with the first two sort of segments. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is, it is very different and it's just evolving as a person. Now I'm getting better at dealing with mom guilt. So it's less prevalent in my life now than it was the first time around. Mm -hmm. Um, Depression is not an issue for me anymore. It's the anxiety that I'm tackling and battling now. So it's, it's changing and it's ever evolving process like parenting in general. For sure. Absolutely. So that second time that uh, I started going back to therapy, I had a really, really great session. Uh, And this was right before I shared my first video. And it was it was just this really eye opening moment where I thought, you know what, if I share what I'm I've experienced and what I've learned, potentially this could help one, two, three, four mothers. Mm. It doesn't matter the number, but if it helps at least one person, then it's worth doing because I had struggled so much and I had, I had been so unhappy for such a period of time that if I could help in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. it was worth it to me. I think that's such an important role that you have played in your community, in the community of moms, of, of being able to say, yes, I'm struggling too, and then also having that little piece of, hey, look at it this way, or look what I've learned and how you can apply this too. Absolutely. And it's a fine line sometimes because um, nobody likes being preached to. <laughs> I hate myself being told what to do. No one likes to be told what to do. Absolutely yeah, you not. You get put into a corner and you're not going to do it. I, I hate it so much and because I, I like to figure out my own journey and I like to figure out my own path. Um, but there are certain skills and tools that I've learned along the way that... 
uh, if at least I can tell people they exist, then they can choose whether or not to apply them in their own life. Mm-hmm. So would you say that there have been any pivotal moments of change for you in therapy or really key pieces that have said to you, hey, like I, I'm okay or this is such a big shift for change? I think the way that I challenge my thoughts is the biggest change this time around. Um, I have, you know, I'm, I'm my own worth critic, like most people are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thoughts can be very negative sometimes. So we do in therapy, we work a lot on challenging some of the things that pop into my head. Is this true? Is this accurate? Um, how, how can you tackle this? How can you deal with this? And really just working through the thought process of that. And I think that's the biggest change. So if I think a thought, uh, for example, like I'm a terrible mom because I fed my kids Cheerios for dinner. Hmm. A frequent flyer <laughs> on the list of thoughts in my brain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Am I? It's about then for me challenging the validity of that statement because mm-hmm. that helps my logical brain. Yeah. Is this an accurate, true statement? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. I am not a terrible mother. Mm-hmm. Um, is it horrible that my child is getting Cheerios? No. Hey, guess what? They're getting dairy and grains. They will survive. <laughs> is it going to affect them within the next 10 years? Zero. It will affect them zero, whether yeah. they had Cheerios one night versus quinoa. Right. It makes no difference in the grand scheme of them as development as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really about that's been the biggest shift this time round is is challenging the th- every basically every thought that's playing a negative role in my life. Right. Yeah, hey, we, we hold ourselves to these expectations. Um, I'd be curious what you think. If, is it something that we do as mothers or women in general where somehow we should have it all? We should have the clean house and the organic food and the homemade dinners. Oh, and, good right? question. We just try to do everything. We do. And even you saying that, just makes me feel overwhelmed it feels like there is a giant elephant sitting on my chest because I instantly felt like shit my house isn't clean right now (laughs) I don't know what I'm having for dinner tonight and those were the first things that popped into my head Mm. which are those are the kind of thoughts I'm trying to battle but I think that whether you're a mother or not those thoughts still exist I just feel as though when you have tiny humans you're responsible for keeping alive and for their development it Mm -hmm. amplifies that yeah, absolutely. And so what our listeners don't know is that when you arrived, the first thing you had said, we're, we're in my living room, and the first thing you had said is your house is clean. And, and I completely admitted to doing a quick cleanup, but it did not look like this. The toys are tucked away. The coffee table's clear. It did not look like this. And then why the did you feel the need morning. to do that? Yeah, you know, it's that presentation of, of myself. It's my it's my own presentation, but also, too, I know about myself is that if I see the toys laying over there, then I start to think about the kids. And then what am I making for dinner? Oh, and what's it going to be like when I do pick up? And so for me, it really is kind of a, a cleansing of a space so that right. I'm not focused over there and all the other stuff is away. It's so funny you say that because as soon as you started talking about the kids and what you're making for dinner, my mind first went to, okay, we have swim tonight. I have to get out of here by this time. I have to go pack this bag. I have to do this. And it's, I think one of the things I've been tackling lately is 
the frustration that my husband doesn't deal with that as well. He doesn't <laughs> think about the fact that, hey, guess what? In an hour and 23 minutes, I have to pack the swim bag, which needs to consist of the new swimsuit, which where is that? And mm-hmm. I need to get the towel and I need to get this and I need to get that and shampoo and conditioner. I need to pack mm-hmm. the baby. There, it's, it's a never ending thought. And that's absolutely what adds to the anxiety and guilt. Yeah. And stress. For sure. It, and it's such a hard balance, right? Because here we are, we're right here in this moment. We're not there, but it, it's it's almost a strength to be able to go there and be like, yeah, what do I have to do that and prepare for it, but then somehow come back here and be in this moment. And I find even kids will do that to you, eh? Like you have to prepare the lunch and get their food ready. Otherwise, tantrums and meltdowns, <laughs> right? But Ugh. you're also trying to be here playing and coloring. And and if you're not present with the kids, someone's going to say, in 20 years, you're going to regret it. And it's going to be the biggest <laughs> regret of your life. Well, that's right. a lot of pressure to not yeah. ruin my life by being present for every single moment. Right. There's just, right. it's pressure from every single angle. So for me, it's about how to deal with it for me. And you know what? One of the biggest sort of positive comments but also criticisms I get are things like your home is so clean all the time okay great my home is clean because of things that I'm struggling with my home is clean because of the anxiety that I face if I see dishes it makes me stressed out Um, I have trouble breathing it's it's everyone has a story mm-hmm. and there's something behind everything. So you come, me coming into your house and saying, oh, it's so clean. Part of that is because I'm jealous my house isn't clean, <laughs> right? It's your house is lovely and it's, I, my house does not look like this right now, but it will at some point and someone will probably judge me for it. Right. It's just pressure all yeah. around for no matter what you do, you can't escape it. So no. just focus on me. That's what I try to do. Just focus on what you can do. I can't control what other people think about me or you can't control the fact that I'm like stressed about my house not being clean and your house is. (laughs) (laughs) Which I will note that my kids are not here. Yes. (laughs) And that my kids are are in daycare and (laughs) and they're older than yours too that I can actually say, hey, go put that away. (laughs) Absolutely. But that's a really good point is because people compare and even with myself, Mm -hmm. I'm very candid online about sharing all of my struggles and all of my victories because I think it's important to do both. Right. But people will compare. I mean, I got a comment last night saying how jealous someone was that my kids went to sleep so early. Oh, yeah. And, okay, that's fantastic. But they don't, maybe they don't know that, hey, they're up at six o'clock every day and they don't nap or my toddler doesn't nap. Right. So it, it's comparing apples to oranges and it's really hard when you get down that road of comparing, there's no one wins. No, and it it really is about just being who you are and what you need to do. And if something, if A is working for you, then keep doing A. And if it doesn't work, then start to change. But don't compare it to somebody else because you don't know their journey. You don't know their struggles and what's going on for them. Absolutely. And I think that's really important. I I think we do too much uh, comparisons as parents and mothers, and and I do it too, Um, you know, the one piece I, I remember seeing one day was your oldest having tantrums <laughs> and yes. my youngest started to do it oh, and it was no. last night and I thought, oh, I'd love to just send this to Erica <laughs> so she could see it because it was intense. Um, but hey, what would you say was the hardest part of being in therapy, sitting across from somebody else? Um, that's a really good question because... There is a lot of different struggles with it. I think for me personally, just committing to being completely open and vulnerable with somebody else. Mm. There are, and I'm 
now that I'm saying this out loud, there are probably things that I should share with my therapist that I'm not because maybe I'm embarrassed that she'll judge me or mm. that I uh, that I think that way. And I, I've made an intentional point to be as transparent as possible, but that's not always hard because mm-hmm. there's some things that are difficult to admit out loud to anybody. Um, right. There's some thoughts that I have as a mom that I don't even tell my husband because I'm so deeply ashamed mm. of them. So I think that is the... Aside from the the perception of um, what other people think, that is that's definitely the biggest one. Yeah, that is hard to sit in front of your, and and that's why therapy is effective. Is that you are sitting in front of somebody, you're having to be open and vulnerable with somebody else, and and it's it's really really hard. Absolutely, because there's, I mean, you think about you're sharing your deepest darkest thoughts, mm-hmm. insecurities, fears with somebody. Um, and it takes a while to work up to it. So, yeah. and you don't always find necessarily a therapist that's the right fit. That was maybe a big challenge at the beginning as well is finding, I was lucky enough to find, um, the first time around with my daughter, a, a therapist who was fantastic and fit for my mm. style and mm-hmm. for my personality, but that's not always the case. Right. That's important. I think so too. People need to remember that it's not just a one-size-fits-all, that it might be someone that you feel comfortable sitting in front of, or sometimes even people will say, I don't want to sit in front of a man, or I don't want to sit with someone who doesn't have children, or whatever it might be, knowing what your own sensitivities are is important. And I've been through therapy before as well, prior to having children, and there's been therapists uh, who weren't the right fit. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to note that if they're not the right fit for you, that it doesn't mean your journey with therapy is over. It just means you need to find someone who's the right fit. It's the same as if you Mm -hmm. were to find a hairdresser or a massage therapist. I mean, I've been through a ton of different hairdressers to find someone that I love, (laughs) and now I love her, and I wouldn't consider going anywhere else. But I kept trying to find that person Mm. who was a good fit for me and my style. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you do to get the most out of your sessions? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, well, <laughs> I'm supposed to be keeping track of my thoughts every day. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes homework goes on the wayside and that's okay because Absolutely. life gets busy. So I do get homework every week mm-hmm. uh, with my therapist. So I think to get the most out of my sessions, it's about trying to keep up with my homework. Um, so what I actually do to do that is I schedule it into my day mm-hmm. and I intentionally um, set time for it that I know I'll complete it. So mm-hmm. for instance, um, I'm supposed to be keeping, I'm supposed to keep a thought journal um, and I work through my thoughts um, in an app on my phone. And I don't let myself watch TV or rest at the end of the night before I do my thought journal. Mm-hmm. And some days I don't feel like doing it quite as extensively as others. But then when I go to therapy, I have something to talk about specific that is top of mind. That Mm -hmm. is the biggest challenge. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Being able to do the work in between. Mm -hmm. Um, And having that intention, eh? That you're you're there, you're doing something. You're intentionally doing this during the week. Absolutely. And I think one of the, the second time around, the biggest struggle with making sort of the most of it is that... I view therapy almost in two ways now. Mm -hmm. I view it as um, a way to improve myself and to be better for my family, but it's also sort of a mom break for myself. Oh, yes. It's It's, self-care. It's self-care. It is self-care. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) It's it's quite honestly, and I don't think I've said this to anybody yet, but it's uh, a chance to get away from my kids, my family. I get a Starbucks beforehand. Yeah. 
Um, I've cut back on my Starbucks recently because <laughs> of my <laughs> budgeting. But I save that budget and I allocate it before my therapy session. So mm-hmm. I go every Saturday morning. I leave the house a bit early. I stop, I get my Starbucks. I go do some work for the blog. Um, and I have that time for myself. Mm. So uh, the problem with that is, is that I was thinking of it more like a mini spa session for my brain. And wasn't necessarily getting the most out of it. So I had to start focusing on doing my homework and getting mm-hmm. my thoughts done so that I'm maximizing both sides of things. Right. Yeah, the balance of being able to go for self-care but also getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love hearing that. I love hearing that you view this as something that is for yourself. That you're recognizing you're struggling, you need help. Um, but that, it, yeah, you have to be able to really value yourself and doing self-care means you value yourself. Absolutely. You're worth it. You're worth looking after, right? So it's, I'm finally getting to the point where I'm moving myself up the list and everyone says it. Everyone says that, you know, you need to focus on yourself, mm-hmm. self-care. It's, it's a huge buzzword right now. Um, and it's easier said than done, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's been one of the biggest challenges by far in this journey is putting myself first you know Erica as I'm sitting here with you one of the biggest things that really and it stood out for me of how we met um and actually we should I, I wanted to talk about this right at the start but um I think it was one night it must it was at 11 30 at night I, I don't remember what you were doing but you sent me a message on Instagram I don't know how I started following you or you started I have following no me. idea how I, I found you no idea Um, But you sent me a message and you had said, we have to meet. And I thought, this is so cool. Look at all that you Stranger. (laughs) You know what it was, though? I just, everything you said resonated with Mm -hmm. me so deeply. (laughs) And it was very much mimicking and mirroring my journey that I just thought, I have to meet this person. (laughs) And I absolutely loved that you did that. And the thing that struck me the most meeting you is that you were so authentic um just right from the beginning you know messaging me being you putting yourself out there I, I absolutely love that oh well, thank you and um you know I just think that's so much of us you know when I started doing this podcast it was really about being authentic I, and not just about me being in that therapist role but about being vulnerable and being authentic and connecting with people and having people feel connected to things that everybody else and myself struggle with mm-hmm. um you know and I just think about this being vulnerable piece and you know, just showing up wholehearted in everything that you do and even kind of thinking back what you said, there are probably things I should tell my therapist. And, <laughs> and you know, yes, go tell your therapist because one of the biggest things that I welcome um, in the work that I do and I know other psychologists and therapists agree with this is that tell us what's going on for you. And if you have something that's going on inside, give that feedback. Or if you are afraid they're going to judge you about something, say it. That's really good to hear because I have been asked countless times by my therapist to get feedback on how things are going, what the relationship, how it could improve. And I've never given her feedback because I am nervous. I am nervous to offend her or, or, and and I love my therapist. I'm so happy with her. Um, But I have never been open enough to give her that feedback because regardless of the fact that I'm sharing and spilling my guts, I, <laughs> there's that wall. It's hard yeah. to get over. Do people give I, you a lot of feedback? I, I'm so glad you asked that. At times, yes. 
And actually, um, before the holidays, I had a client share with me how meaningful our relationship has been for her and how much she's changed. And yeah, I felt so touched by being able to hear that I have touched somebody else and I've impacted them and that yeah it's it's very meaningful that's really interesting to hear that side of things because you don't often I th- I've often thought of the therapists as sort of um these unapproachable figures mm-hmm. um maybe unapproachable is not the right word um but they're almost on a different level right they almost aren't human <laughs> and when we first met what you had said was oh but you probably know how to deal with your kids tantrums perfectly <laughs> I said no I screamed at my child last week okay just yelled at them for just... no reason <laughs> it's I, it's interesting to hear that perspective mm-hmm. that, that feedback is welcome from mm-hmm. therapists because again yeah you you seem so everyone seems I view therapists on such a different level I feel like you have your whole everything together and it's yeah. again ties back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this of conversation course, right? of that perception mm-hmm. of reality and also, too, for other people to be aware of that it is in that therapist role, right? That it's not our stuff. We've got stuff going on in our life, but it's not to be in the therapy room and it's not relevant. And there are times where we do disclose things that might be helpful for clients in whatever journey they're going through. Uh, I can think of sharing with a mom, you know, sometimes how I feel mom guilt as well. Mm-hmm. But again, therapeutically relevant so yeah we are meant to be kind of that blank slate at times and to not have that there but definitely um we're we're still humans with you and that's the thing that I say to all my clients is I am sitting with you and this is me and I'm being authentic with you so I think that would be such cool feedback to give to your okay that's my new goal (laughs) I have an appointment tomorrow So Erica, I am so glad you are sitting in my living room today. Me too. Being authentic and showing up wholeheartedly with me. I so value you taking this time. It's your, I think it's part of you being away from the kids as well. (laughs) It's lovely. You you know, I offered to come see you while your little one sleeps, but so this is your time here. But, you know, I think you're doing such great work and I want our listeners to be sure to know um, what you're doing right now and how to get in touch with you. Absolutely. So um, I'm, I mostly love to hang out on Instagram. <laughs> you can go over to Instagram and follow me at mom.break. And really that is just my opportunity to share my experience of motherhood. Um, I'm again, very candid on Instagram. I share the highs and the lows. Um, I share things like uh, the new mom blocking guide that I just created, mm-hmm. which helps me manage my time a little bit better and to feel a little bit less stressed in my day. Um, which has been such a great resource and I've seen some of the comments already from people about it so moms go check it out (laughs) I will link it on my um, on my website be great yeah it's um the goal really is to just take that feeling of overwhelm and to make things into more manageable chunks so that for instance in the morning all I'm thinking about is completing a couple tasks as opposed to the full day Mm. of um, things ahead like we were talking about earlier I wouldn't be thinking (laughs) about some lessons right now or um you know all the things that I have to do for bedtime routine it's just about feeling happier and healthier Mm -hmm. less stressed and then what's your website where can we reach you so you can go to mumbreak.ca all right thank you so much Erica for being here today if you want more information from today's show head over to drtracyd.com I will have the links there to Erica as well as to her mom blocking guide 
And of course, you can find me on social media on Instagram at dr.tracydalgleish or on Facebook, Dr. Tracy Dalgleish. Guys, I love hearing from you. So please leave me a review and let me know what you thought about today's episode or if there's something that you'd like to hear me discuss on a future episode. It is one of my favorite things to hear from you. So until next time, have a great day and see you next week. Remember, this podcast is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional.